Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Melon. Wow. Last episode was a uh, was one I couldn't get in for, and the two boys, just a very special conversation uh, that Mike had there with one of his, his very good mates. Just a, a blessing to hear two men be so open and honest and discuss such personal topics. Um, I really just take my hat off to any man who's willing to open their heart up and share like that. But yeah, today we're going to be talking about a topic that you probably saw on the uh, the title there, suffering is optional. Suffering is optional. What does that mean? You know, like, what are we talking about here? We frequently talk about how hard hands are dealt to us regularly in life, that there's ups and downs, that setbacks come. You know, what what is the point that we're trying to make here around suffering being optional? Well, we're going to try and unpack that and, and get to the bottom of, of, of how Mike and I feel about that as we unfold here. But first, welcome and uh, greetings to my mate, Mike. How are you? What's up, Melon? How's it going, dude? Uh, pretty good. The um, yeah, episode last week was was pretty uh, in-depth, so I just want to say thanks to Wayne again for for coming on and sharing a story about our 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 story our friendship and uh his uh journey that he's on man and he's just doing really good things and like i said i'm just very proud of him and to have him as a friend so that was really cool to uh to do and uh other than that um i'm uh what two days two days out from my my surgery and getting everything uh in order here so um hunkering down in my place i'm not gonna be able to walk for a few days and uh <laughs> adjust and you know i think this this topic kind of goes into uh honestly you know what's what i'm feeling and and kind of going through right now is i know there's some mm-hmm. uh really hard things a- ahead of me and not just physically with recovery or physical therapy but also like mentally you know with myself of not being able to do what i want to do or how i want to do it um, also stuff with work that I'm not able to do, um, being patient, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole circle of things, but, um, I, I definitely agree with the statement that suffering is optional. And I, I think, uh, this is definitely something that we can talk about and explore maybe some different examples in our lives, uh, things that we've seen or experienced or with ourselves or other people. So yeah, man, it's good. Um, Side note from that, we uh, had a great time in Tampa. So we, our uh, our good buddy who we've had on before, Jimmy Boggs, and Team Addo, if you haven't checked them out, it's uh, Team A-D-D-O. And, um, you know, he, he's another great man in my, in my circle. And he put on a, a charity event down in Tampa to help raise money for transitioning veterans mean transitioning meaning getting out of the military just to make that clear <laughs> and uh what, what was your connection with what was your connection with jimmy boggs what, just a very quick like what's his backstory for those that haven't heard those previous episodes Mike? yeah so i he he flew with raf in afghanistan when i was there i i got in the back i was a customer as uh, the pilots like to say i got <laughs> I got in the back of a Blackhawk one morning and he was flying us out on a mission and I'm, I'm hooking up the ICS, which is internal comms in the back. And I turn and look and there's this giant of a man uh, up in the up in the cockpit and he, on the back of his helmet, there's a big first Marine division patch. And I was like, wait a minute. I said, so you're a Marine in an army uniform. I was like, how does that work? And he turned around. He's like, he's like, Oorah, you know, barks, at <laughs> me, you know, does this dog thing. And, um, and then I saw on the, uh, helmet on the other side, it said Boggs and I was like, Oh, cool, man. Like, what are you going to tell me next? You're Wade Boggs kid. And he goes, and he turns and looks at me. He's like, actually it's uncle Wade. And, <laughs> and for people that don't know his, um, uh, Wade Boggs is a, uh, baseball hall of famer. I think he, I think he's in the hall of fame for the highest batting average. And I think he also has the record for most beers uh drank in a in a 24 hour period it's like 116 or something like that i don't know oh my god it could be wrong oh my god so yeah and that's how i met jimmy and uh 
yeah, and the rest is history. So anyway, he, he's got a heart of gold. He, he's, he's a giver. He loves serving uh, the, the his community, veteran community, um, and God. He's a very devout Christian man who I've talked about many times about helping save me. And um, anyway, we showed up down there, and it was like a reunion from all those guys from 2012. Uh, probably like six or seven pilots that that flew me in that were like best friends in the wolf pack and even our very own to raf was down there and got to hang out and catch up with him and we just had a great time i'm hobbling around on my knee you know in a knee brace but i did not let that stop me uh, from having fun i could have been like no i can't do that no i don't want to do that or you know just be miserable and make excuses but uh, we ended up hitting a good Irish pub, wound up at an eighties bar dancing to the eighties. <laughs> and, uh, of course, of course, wound up at a karaoke bar where, uh, of course you did. We let it out and we just had the best time till about four 30 in the morning. So, uh, great memories made great, uh, gratefulness for, for the relationships that, you know, I've maintained with those guys over a decade and it was just an awesome event. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so this so this was like a a reunion with your mates from the Wolfpack, Afghanistan, a whole bunch of guys all together in Florida, some family, and then there was like one night out with just the boys, right? Just the boys. Yeah, yeah. 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 We awesome. got out. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and um, yeah, there was a fishing tournament. Some guys may have may or may not have showed up and chummed the waters first first thing in the morning. <laughs> Neither confirm nor deny those accusations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so we had to reorg a little bit. I was supposed to be fishing with old old Tio, but um, yeah, he uh, he tied on the uh, he did a little mariachi dancing and had some tequila, so he wasn't feeling too great. But uh, I ended up going out with uh, two two uh, little girls, uh, Jimmy's uh, little girl, um, little Miss Kennedy, and her cousin Taylor. And honestly, they were the best fishing partners i think they're both like eight and ten years old so we were out there just catching fish and they were laughing and you know giving me crap because i hooked into a huge mackerel and then it got off the line and they were all yelling at me like why aren't you contributing to the team you know and and all this and yeah. i'm trying but yeah we, we just had a great time man quality quality time good memories and um stuff that we'll never forget and that's what it's about you know oh that's I mean, that's pretty special. We've got a lot of uh, veterans and first responders and, and their families and friends who listen. And we can all imagine that reunion with people who've been with us through uh, a deployment, a combat deployment, through hard times. I mean, they're just the, they're just the best friends. And you've got all those shared memories of hard times. I mean, exactly some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today here. Like there's been some suffering. There's been some discomfort there's been pain and then you know you're in this reunion phase and clearly there's been a transcendent there's been a, a transformation of that into just a, the most most positive of relationships that anyone can find just for those who haven't heard mike could you just detail quickly um what's going on with your knee while we're talking about this you know pain is inevitable suffering is optional why is that sort of a hot topic for us at the moment because Sure. You know, I, I mean, we're talking about a pretty serious uh, situation with your with your knee, and there's impacts on you personally. There's medical impacts and professional impacts, and you know, we just want people to get a sense of this, the the size of the the issue we're talking about. We're not talking about a split nail here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is this is one of the hardest things I would deal with, but so. Uh, I'm in the pinnacle of my career, the best position I can possibly get into. I've, I've worked 16 years to, to, to earn and finally get there. And I'm just enjoying it and having the time of my life. And literally right in the middle of it, uh, I had a parachuting accident and uh, came down and, and I hit really hard. And I completely tore off my ACL um and have a, a small bone fracture in a lower part of my my knee and uh yeah i'm 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 pretty much being pulled off um i was up on the mountain and i just got you know uppercutted right off and um and, and when this happened when this happened to your knee was it uh like immediate you know 
excruciating pain and couldn't continue and and uh, sort of a medical uh, med board or a Kazabak out of the situation and in for treatment, Mike? Well, it was kind of funny because um, <laughs> I hit so hard, like when my leg hit the ground um, that my knee gave and immediately, and then I, my body slammed into the ground. And and the first question somebody's asking me, like, well, did you hear something pop? I said, no, sorry, I was distracted by my body slamming into the earth. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of sorry, I didn't notice. <laughs> At 9.8 meters per second, squared. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I just kind of laid there, and I was like, oh, like, I pulled my leg up, and I was like, oh, no, you know. Um, yeah, we had we had people on, on scene that, you know, they're very, very good at their job, and they looked at me and, and kind of, you know, immediately I got a shot of Tordal on my butt cheek, which was pretty good, um, <laughs> just to numb the pain. But, um, you know, I took three days off. I saw physical therapy. They were looking at it. They gave me an x-ray, said it was negative, which I'm, I'm kind of curious about. It's kind of weird. But, um, you know, they didn't know exactly what happened. And there's a process that you have to go through and MRI yeah. a long time and whatever else. So I took three days off and just put a knee brace on like I got from like CVS. And then, um, I was putting on some, uh, I didn't know if I sprained it really bad. So I was putting on some like icy hot and I was like, okay, well, I'll just let it rest and elevate and ice it and put this on or whatever and see how I feel better. And, uh, I did start to feel a little bit better. Uh, so three days later, I'm like, Hey, this is my job. I'm supposed to be leading. I'm a, I'm a uh, jump master as well. So I get up there and I was like, all right, Hey, um, I'm going back up. So got my gear on, got back up and I did, I think like 16 more jumps, uh, on it. Um, but I didn't know what was wrong. Um, I knew, so I just would like baseball slide in on, on my butt and, um, and, and finish up. And, you know, you don't really need a knee to fall out of the sky. So I was like, all right, I can do that. Oh my God. But, um, no, well, you really don't. <laughs> so, um, anyways, you know, and I finally got back and then I, I went through about a month and a half, two more months of training before I was finally able to get an MRI and find out what was wrong. So, uh, I dealt with the pain. I'm not a superhero. Like it hurt. It was bothering me, but I didn't know what was wrong. So I couldn't say I can't do this because blank. Um, it was just like, yeah, I have some, some knee pain and I don't know what's going on. And I had to wait, but I still had to lead my guys. I still had to be there. I wanted to be there. I didn't want to miss anything. Um, and then I got the news. It's like, Hey man, you, you, you have no ACL. It's completely been torn off and you have a fracture and whatever. And then that was the stopping point of being like, okay, well now there's a series of events that have to come you know, surgery and pre-op and you know, all these different things and timelines, six to nine months of recovery. I can't run for another four months after surgery. Like I need to relearn to walk and do a lot of stuff. So it's just this mountain of shit that just, you know, you get kicked off your mountain, you fall down the mountain, you're laying at the bottom yes. of the valley and you're like, well, how did I get down here so fast? And now what do I do? Yeah. It hasn't been like that um right. have those thoughts crept into my mind absolutely absolutely but as we've talked about in this topic is man that's an option if i want to go that way it's not mandatory it's not uh it doesn't have to be part of the recovery or part of the story i don't have to be miserable um i don't have to be angry i don't have to be spiteful you know and like nothing i yeah i don't want to be that kind of man um and if anything all everything that i've been through up to this point has prepared me and especially these type of conversations that i have with melon and and raf and everybody else about life and preparation and what's coming and and again yeah. i've always preached this is you know it's going to happen one of two ways the way you want it to and the way it does and you got to be okay with both this is yeah. not this is not how i wanted it to go but it is. And yeah, but I don't want it to define me. I don't want it to change me. Uh, I want it to make me better. So suffering is optional is absolutely a true statement. There can be a sense. And I, I know I've had this feeling myself of when, like when I was told my, my wife's waters had broken in the first day of the 22nd week and that we we're going to lose the baby. And that whole 
you know, you've just, the shit card has just landed on, on the table in front of you. And you're like, what do you, no, 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 this is not what, this is not what I was going to get. Like, this is not what I'm here for. This shouldn't be happening to me. This stuff happens to other people. Yes. Like, they can, all that, all those human reactions, you know, that like, trying to not sound like a total shithead by saying this, but you know, like that sense of, and I saw it in other people as well when they came, because we're in the hospital with my daughter Annie, the neonatal unit for nearly six months, 173 days. I got to see a lot of people on their first or second day where they were really like, it shouldn't be happening to me. Mm. Like, not me. There should be someone else, which is just the most human thing in the world, right? Like, Jesus in the New Testament there with the saying, I don't want this cup of suffering. The night before he was going to be crucified. It's just that most human emotion and response of, I don't want this. Not me, like these things happen to other people on TV or whatever it is. This wasn't what I was planning. Right. You know, it could be a financial setback. It could be a, a relationship breakdown. It could be a health issue like you need. It could be a family member getting sick. It could be a career setback. It mm. could be a freaking car breaking down on the way to work. You know, I'm like, it could just have a thousand things, all the things that can go wrong in life. And in that moment of like, like I don't want this. That for me, like my my point on this topic around that pain is inevitable. But like the pain being the unpleasant experience and sensation, like that, those things are going to happen to all of us. Like all of that list of little things I just had then, like there's going to be something like that for all of us. There's going to be many things like that for all of us. An unpleasant experience, an unpleasant sensation. Yeah. And all of us can have that whole dig your heels in like, no, 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 I don't want this. And it's like that for me is where the suffering begins in the resistance to the reality that you're now in. Yeah. And I've found like the sooner I can get into the, the other side of that, the other side of the resisting, there's a pathway on the other side where you're in the new normal, where you come home from the hospital with a vision impaired child who's legally blind. And where you can embrace it, that's that's your new normal. That's where like all the beautiful stuff can start happening again. And so it's like if you can shorten that period of resistance, then in my experience, you can really shorten the suffering. Yeah. And you don't have to fall into a deep black hole, right? So, so Melvin, right, right yeah, there. How question for you. As a man mm. who you were at that time, as a as a as a father, as a husband. Mm. As a as an officer in the military, yeah. as a six foot four, uh, two hundred and forty pound. See you next day. <laughs> six foot two, but yeah, otherwise good, all true. Well, with that hair you got, it adds an extra two inches. But <laughs> um, the uh, how did you deal with accepting that reality? Like you, you go from that. Like I just named very masculine traits, very big, powerful leader uh yeah. in all aspects and then there's something like that that comes along that you have no say so in mm. how hard was that to transition and accept this is this is what is this is the reality this is not what i wanted mm. but how was that initial shock and then how did you deal with that so such a great question mate because like you're saying you know we can and I was, and I still do go through life and I'm training and I'm doing my best to be on front foot uh, professionally and as a father with my kids and in my relationship with my wife and uh, with my family and just in all those areas, like you're just describing, like I'm, I'm leading a certain type of life that's like trying to set myself up that I'm creating my future, I'm the one uh, making the plans and, and driving towards goals and all of the stuff that we talk about a lot. And none of that is any defense for you're now going to have a super prim baby and she's probably going to die and you might lose your wife. And you, there is not even a 1% chance that you're going to get this child home and then 173 days of genuine life and death 
followed after that. And there's no amount of weightlifting you can do. There's no amount of running you can do. There's no amount of being a good friend to your mates and displaying attributes that we value in this community that can prevent you from, you, you are now flawed. Like there is, do you know what I'm saying? I'm saying like you have gone out and prepared your life in a certain way to deliver results and you've just been blindsided and there's nothing in your defense set or your your armory that is going to equip you to deal with this other than just focusing on your principles and values, like really being present. Like in that moment, like I was crushed, right? I was just absolutely crushed. Yeah. I fucking cried. I cried like a baby, Mike. I can't. I'm not going to say I didn't do those things. I didn't cry in front of my wife. I tried not to that very first day. I drove home from the hospital very, very late at night. I'm still in my flying suit because I got called at work to go to the hospital because it was an, obviously an emergency. It was a surprise. I parked my car up on the grass on the side of the, outside the hospital. I came out. There's like five parking tickets on the car. And I cursed them out. And I drove my car like 400 meters to my mate Dallas' house. He was super close to the hospital. And they'd prepped a bed for me downstairs and stuff. And I just stopped in his driveway. I'm still in my uniform. And I fucking cried like a child at you know, the suffering of someone other than me is just much worse than my suffering, you know, the suffering of my wife and the suffering of this baby who I was being told was never going to have a chance at life. That was just, it crushed me. Yeah. Hmm. And, you, and you've got to feel the feels, I think. You know what I mean? I think there's nothing worse than trying to not feel those things. Like, that's real life. That's real life, you know. Like we can all picture a family member, someone that we love being given news like that and that is like I don't know you're a human being if you're not feeling the full spectrum and what, then what was the feeling so I hear you mm. you're in your car you're crying like you you know mm. that this is breaking breaking you was there ever a thought or a vision about well I need to be this so everybody thinks I'm strong so everybody thinks that I can handle this. And and you're thinking about that outside perception. How much did that influence you? Or was that even mm. like a section of your mind? Because I feel like when I take a hit, it, I think it's inevitable as, as a person, as a human being, that you need to go, well, everybody's looking at me and I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to look like I'm weak. Yeah. I don't want to look like I can't handle something, right? And, and I think that's like your 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 pride, your ego. You know, we talk about that. Did you have any feelings of that? Like maybe that is, you know, I'm just listening to it. I'm really thinking about what was happening that night. You know, we're talking January 23, 2007. Actually, the 16th of January is when the waters broke. And, and maybe there was a part of that, you know, like I wasn't in the hospital in front of other people where I've got to try and keep a, maintain a facade. I'm not in front of my wife where I'm trying to maintain a facade so that she doesn't break down. Because we're all told that there's all a spirit, body, mind, interconnect right like and we saw this later where cherry getting into a positive state really changed like her body her temperature and her heart and blood pressure all this stuff that you think you can't control really changed when we got her into a positive state we turned things around a few times over the next seven days and so i'm really aware like that i don't want to negatively impact her and, and bring a negativity in that space and crumble and have her crumble so i'm maintaining a facade i think in the hospital while i'm being told this stuff and then even though the, you know, Dal is my best mate in the world and his wife, Louie, are super close, I didn't cry inside the house. So maybe it was like while I was on my own, I could just have that moment on my own where I didn't have to pretend for anyone. So maybe you're 100% spot on there, Mike, that I still had even in this moment like that sense of facade when I was around other people. And, and I'm genuinely trying to be really, you know, no holds here while I'm sharing. Hmm. But I know by the time I got back into the hospital the next day, I was already in, you know, and I'm in borrowed clothes from Dalla. Luckily, he's basically the same size as me. I'm in the hospital sort of at sunrise. And I was, I know that I was already thinking about, like, what can we do now? Like, what can we do? What can I do? What emotional state, mental state, 
spiritual state can I engender in my wife to have her spirit and mental and emotional and physical stay strong for the baby? And then I just went into like research and, and began to equip myself with information that I really, I, I know that that ended up in my, my child Annie being born and surviving because I had information that I needed in the delivery room when it, when it went down seven days later. I got into a state, I got out of the back wheel spinning and broken, really back into functioning and generating a result back into action pretty quickly, you know? And I think maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just gorillas like me who need that time away from uh, trying to keep on a strong facade where you can have that moment. And you can experience those feelings and you can let it all out. And then, you know, within sort of eight hours of that, I was into, right, let's process where we are now. Let's get a sense of what does the train look like in front of us and then, and let's start to figure out a plan to get to the best outcome from where we started. And I think one of the big things is that suffering delays that point of action. Do you know what I mean? Like, wallowing in the suffering can really extend this period where you're ineffective. You know, if you're just trying to take the emotion out of it, like you've got a scenario going down with your family or your team or your your girlfriend or whatever it is, the suffering is like a, it's a wasted time. You know, like resisting, sitting there and resisting instead of just accepting you're ineffective. You're not going to be generating the result. You're not going to be advancing the ball down the pitch. Right. You know, is that, am I, am I, am I speaking absolute rubbish here? No, dude. Uh, this is, <clears throat> this is very uh, relatable. I, you know, and, and I talked about with Wayne last week, you know, you don't have to have the exact same things happen to you to have a mm. understanding of, kind of how you felt different scenario different time different position maybe the same yeah. um you know i've been like i do know i do know that what you just said those three negatives that you said you don't have to don't have to be miserable angry or spiteful i know that those three things would have had me bring negativity into the space would have had me affect the doctors and the nurses and my wife at that time mm-hmm. it would have had me not doing any research or reading or thinking anything about that there's a possible positive outcome that can be achieved here. Yeah. And, like and, I've, and I've even read too, and we've talked about it is even in those neonatal units, you know, when they're in the crib and they can pick up so much sensitivity from like right. being angry or happy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you go in there with a negative attitude, they're going to like pick it up and, and it could be detrimental to their, to, to everything their blood pressure their state like their temperature like whatever so i can only imagine like having this well you just out of a room you just it. upset the team you know you turn up you're a six foot two 240 pound man who's angry and spiteful and uh, miserable and you turn up like nurses tend to be women you know no one's going to want to be around you and so then your baby or your wife's going to get less medical attention than if if you weren't if you weren't in that state like you, it's not magic like you turning up in that state of anger and so on that's going to that's going to have people push off and you know now you are contributing to the situation you're making the situation that that unpleasant experience you're making that pain worse yeah you know what i mean rather than if you have been able to i mean victor frankl Holocaust survivor, author of the book Man's Search for Meaning, he talked about um, that you always have the option to choose your attitude. And and he's talking about from inside the concentration camps, he's talking about probably, you know, arguably the worst situation humans have ever put other humans into, the way that the Jews were being treated by the Nazis. And he was like, if you can maintain a positive and hopeful attitude then you can transcend your suffering. And there's there's a strength that can come from that. This is, he went on to like an amazing career in psychology. Like I'm, I'm reading his book and honestly, it's a, it's a difficult book to read. It's so, just so graphic, right? Yeah. 
But his his thing is about find a purpose, find fulfillment by striving to fulfill your unique potential. And he, and he's like, you always, even in these darkest moments, have you never lose control over the ability to choose your attitude. And, and like, that is true. And that attitude is going to manifest. People around you are going to pick up on that and you're going to behave differently. And your three negative things of being miserable, angry, and spiteful, that is going to impact people around you in a real way. It's an, it's not imaginary. Yeah, there's... um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking about like certain times where maybe I've, I chose the wrong way and I was, I was choosing suffering because I don't know, sometimes I felt like I needed to suffer. Um, and, and I'm, I think that's a human response kind of thing. Like, yeah. you know, like no one wants to be hurt. Nobody wants to, um, you know, be yelled at, be mistreated, have, you know, someone break your heart, somebody physically hurt you, like whatever, that you have to feel the pain that you have to kind of let it happen and pro and we talk about that like don't suppress it but uh allow it to happen and and experience it um and sometimes you just feel that way because it is i think it is teaching you a lesson it is teaching mm-hmm. you something that you didn't know um if you didn't have suffering you wouldn't know joy you know like there there's always a counter there's a balance to things um and you're going to appreciate something along the way where you don't have to feel that and it's the opposite and you're going to be able to recognize it and be like, this is good. This is good. And then you you bottle this up, if you bottle this stuff up and you know, an experience, like if I hadn't sat in the car and cried, right? Like maybe I wouldn't have, I would have been in a different state the next day. Like if you're one of these often men who like get the lid on that jar, suppress all that, all those emotions and ram that back in the shelf and shut the chest, the door to your chest. I mean, that grenade in, in you is going to detonate at some point. If you're not allowing yourself to experience the full emotions and the full feelings when the pain occurs, like we're not talking about not, not experiencing the pain. We're like, this is human, whether it's emotional or physical, you know, it's a career setback, a relationship or, you know, a parachuting injury. Like feeling the feeling is important to, to let it out of your body. And yep. not hold on to it and carry it with you and have it detonate, you know, it could be on that weekend or a year later on your poor wife, you know, like because you you were not man enough, speaking, you know, you and I, you might, you weren't man enough to experience the feelings at the time and, and deal with them and let them out of your body and then move forward. You've suppressed it and carried it and then that's going to cook off. That grenade is going to is going to come out of you at some time. Like how many people have experienced trauma who pass it on with people who didn't express it and get it out and talk it through with people. Do you know what I mean? And then there's some people who don't pass it on. They're amazing people who have experienced trauma who go on to be loving healers and amazing people who somehow transcended this suffering. Yeah. You know, and I feel like there's, there's this attitude that Viktor Frankl talks about, this ability to choose your attitude is always your, under your control. It doesn't matter who, what position you're in in life. Like there's not, there's no one else can control your attitude inside you. Right. And experience, like you were saying, experiencing it is super important. Repressing it is probably the worst thing you can do. Yeah. And, and you know, like what's the, What's the good side of repressing it? What's the good side about bottling all of that up? What's the good side about not processing your feelings or sharing it with somebody that truly honestly cares for you? You know, like a fan, like a really good family member or or a best Mm -hmm. mate or or something like that. Like, what are you trying to do to show them? Like, do you really think that strength by bottling all that up? Now, look, certain times, no doubt. You you have yeah. you have to you have to bury that stuff to get through something that's really hard, but you have to make time on the back end in order to let it out and process mm. it. You know you're 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 not going to put a tea kettle on the stove and just sit there and let it boil and boil and boil and it's whistling and it's telling you, hey, this is a problem. Mm. It's very loud. It's like, all oh, right, I clearly hear that there's a problem and there's some shit going on. Like, when are you going to let it out? When are you going to let it out? 
and it yeah. lets out until it explodes. And then it's like, okay, you held that in for so long. Why did you feel you had to hold on so tight? Why, why yeah. can't you be vulnerable with me and let off some of that steam? I was here to help you. I was here to listen yeah. to you. I was here to figure out what I could do because I love or care for you um, and let me in, you know, and, and it doesn't turn out a positive way for what? Like, because I think you think I'm going to call you weak. Like I've been there. I know what it feels like. I hate that you feel that way. I, I, I don't want you to be that way. And I, and, and like, I, you know, I, I think that there's, I think that there's, like I didn't, I didn't express, I didn't cry and break down at, at the hospital while being told by the doctors what was happening. I didn't. That for me, that was not the right moment to to break down. Like I held on to it and gripped my teeth, and you know, I don't know. Eight hours later, in the dark street outside my mate's house, is when it came out. Yeah. Like there's going to be times, like in the moment, like. You know what you do and what I do, Mike. Professionally, like there's going to be times when sh- shit goes down for you at work, and that's not the time to like cry about it. There's like a job to be done, and there's lives on the line, and there's action that needs to be taken, and you're going to have to process that later. And the same thing for me. Like there's going to be stuff happens in the aircraft, the engine fails, whatever. You got to deal with it, get on the ground, and then you can. Like there's a time and place, and immediate is not necessarily the right time, but. But never, or putting it in, you know, putting in the paint mixer and just letting that thing, that can shake away until things explode at some point down the track. Like, I don't think that's the right time either. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've got a question for you because, you know, you're a super capable guy, clearly from your professional background. And if anyone wants to listen to 152 previous episodes of these conversations, they'll get a sense of who you are as a man, as a, as a, as a human being. Why do capable people repress these negative feelings? Like, what's your sense there? You know, like a lot of people in our community, like alpha, strong, capable leadership type people, do repress these feelings. Why do you think that is, Mike? Man, the first thing that like really just jumps in my in the forefront of my mind. Um, what else do you expect? That's the mm-hmm. question that comes in mind. Well. I'm I'm a man. I'm capable. I'm I'm strong. I'm this. I'm successful. I'm I speak well. I I talk about you know like. Would you expect anything less? You expect me to be perfect, don't you? You expect me to have the right answer every time, don't you? You expect me not to feel any pain. You expect me to uh, just deal with it or figure it out, right? I'm sorry, dude, but that's not that's not how it goes. Um, that's I'm a human being just like everybody else. And I feel pain. Mm-hmm. I feel struggle. I, I feel confusion. I feel sadness. Like There's nothing. I get no pass. There is no wall that I can put up where I don't, um, I can't block mm-hmm. out anything. Like it still hits me just like everybody else. Um, the expectation of my surroundings and of people is what makes that so hard. Um, I've talked about it before of the triple whammy, but number one, I'm a male. So I'm a guy, guys don't talk about their feelings because if you do, you're soft and I don't want you. You're, you're not this alpha. You're not this hard ass. You're not this masculine, tough man. It's bullshit. And um, two, I'm in the military. So now I'm expected to be even harder. And then three, I'm in special operations, which is like, you know, that less than 1% of the military you know so it's like you guys are the best of the best of the best of the best and you're supposed to be you know the best in all areas well let me be blatantly yeah. honest with you uh my job teaches me how to be a really good soldier and how to get into places and do bad things to bad people they don't teach me how to deal with my emotions they don't teach me how to deal with loss or pain or burying my friend um, they don't teach me how to be a better husband or boyfriend they don't teach me how to be a better father um that is not the job the job is to do the job life continues whether i want it to or not and there are many aspects that come into play with that and i don't learn it from there i seek it from other avenues which i should be i did not do that for the first part of my career because i let my career and my job and that image and expectation define who i was and what i was doing and i was wrong I broke from it. 
I couldn't hold the facade anymore. I couldn't wear the mask anymore. The weight got way too heavy and it broke me. Um, that sucks to say, but it's the truth. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my response to that. The expectations yeah. that I'm supposed to be perfect, that I'm supposed to be able to deal with absolutely everything and just, you know, and then when I don't, I get, I get destroyed. You know, how yeah. could you not do this? How could you not see this? How could you feel that way? Why don't you do this? Or And I'm like, I, I, I don't know, but I'm trying. I'm, I'm here trying and trying to put in the effort. I really, really am, you know, versus and the opposite. And of, I don't give a shit. You know, fuck this. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm better than this. My pride, my ego, my image, like you, I'm, I'm better off without you, like strutting around, pumping your chest. Like, where's that going to get you? You're, you're pushing me away or you're pushing the people that you love away by acting like that. And it's like, I, I don't want this. And how many people who are listening can identify with, you know, I shouldn't talk about my feelings because one, two, three, and they might not be the same as Mike's. I shouldn't talk about my feelings because I'm a mum. I shouldn't talk about my feelings because I'm a policeman. I shouldn't talk about my feelings because I'm a leader. I shouldn't talk about my feelings because I'm the breadwinner. I shouldn't talk about my feelings because dot, dot, dot. Like I feel like that is our human experience in in this in this age, and maybe it's always been the way. You know, and I, I've had this heard this before that you're vulnerable. You've, we've all got vulnerabilities, and you're vulnerable in that area while you're trying to hide it. Hmm. And as soon as you own it and share it, you're now invulnerable in that area. Hmm. So, like, while you've got a skeleton in your closet, you can be taken down. As soon as you own it and share it and let people know you've had a hard time, then that vulnerability is gone. Yeah. Well, what is it? It's like taking the, I've always been told it's like taking the wind out of your sails. You know, like somebody sees you struggling. Say, say you're like, I don't know. Say you're out on and you're a sailor and you're out on a on a sailboat and someone's like, oh man, like, you know, they're talking, they're like, oh, he's a terror, he's a terrible sailor. You know, he, you know, whatever. I'm gonna take the wind out of him. Watch. I'm I'm gonna hit this. And then you stand up and say, Hey, just so everybody knows, I am brand new to this. I'm not very good at it. I'm willing, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to learn. I'm not gonna be yeah. I don't know how to work the sailboat. I don't know how to do this. But if anybody's willing to help me, I'm wide open because I want to get better. Yeah. And you own 100%. It. You own it. What's that person going to say? Hey, that person sucks at sailing. Yeah, hey, we yeah. already know. Like he already admitted it. Like we're we're past yeah. that. Like we're we're on to the yeah. growth part. Shut up. Like no one needs yeah. to shit. You know what I mean? That's like, a great ex That's a great example, Mike. That's 100%. Yeah. You know, you've just you've just owned it before anyone else can bring it up. And that that you know that feeling like, "Oh, I hope no one around here figures out that I'm actually no good at whatever it is." <laughs> and we've all got more things that we're not good at than we could possibly be good at. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever it is, you've got some, there's a thousand examples and that's a perfect one there of just you own it and now boom, you're not vulnerable in that area in life. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's this, that whole, I can't talk about my feelings because whatever it is, dot, dot, dot for you, for the listener, for me, for, we've all got our reasons. And yet if we do, share and we do communicate and we get this stuff out all of a sudden that thing that we were fearing and you know what if people figure out these things about me it's it's going to evaporate in the mist you're yeah. going to be relatable people are going to be able to listen to you differently you're in a leadership position great you just shared something that people are like oh man i could go and talk to him or her oh man i thought they were they were perfect i could never do it like them but i've had these feelings myself and now I, you know, I know that I'm going to be able to, they're going to be able to teach me things or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, and when you choose not to do that, you're inducing self-suffering because yeah. your mind is going to eat you apart. It may not even be the reality, but 
you know, in your own mind and your own heart and in, in your feelings and everything, you're going to eat yourself apart because you didn't ask the question. And now you have to sit there and be scared about, well, shit, I should ask that question. Now I'm just worried because now I don't know what I'm doing and I'm still going into the situation and I'm not prepared. Uh, I'm, I'm really scared. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. And that's, that feeling is, is suffering. Um, I really hurt this person and I never apologized. I never, you know, that person thinks I'm a monster and, 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 in their life. And I, I really cared for this person, but I, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to do it. So I'm just going to bottle it up and never say anything. That's suffering, right? It's like mm. <laughs> wounding, wounding somebody and then turning around walking away and then just be like, God, why did I do that? How, how did I do that? I can't believe I hurt this person. And now you're just suffering over time because you're not addressing mm. it or bring it out. So again, back to the topic is it is a choice. It suffers. Yes optional there is a way when it happens to address it and let it out and i think when you do it makes you human exactly what melon said like oh surprise you're a human being could have fooled me <laughs> you know <it's> like, <laughs> we, we all knew this dude like we already we already knew this no no yeah. question so why are you trying to be something that you're not you're not a machine I don't care how hard you are. I don't care how many people you've killed and in, 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 in your your military service. I don't care how like what your title is, how much money you have. I don't give a shit. If you mm. can come up to me and have a God honest conversation and be like, hey, man, I'm really struggling today and I don't want to be like this. I, I have right. I have so much respect for you as a person. Um, it, it's it's nice to know that maybe I'm the person you felt comfortable with coming up to talk to it about because I'm receptive and I want to understand. I want to try and help you. And honestly too, by helping you, it's going to help me understand it. And maybe you'll help out me at some point. And then I can share that with somebody else. See how that works. It's not, it's about connection and, and trust and, and the pursuit of being better, not just bottling it up and acting like you, you can take it. Yeah. The world throws at you because you're tough and you're hard and, your your pride your and ego that's and that that's a great point that i hadn't thought of mike like just the gift you're giving the person you're sharing with that they get to feel wow you know like that self-esteem boost that they're going to get from hey this person's coming to me with this stuff like how special is this relationship that this person feels that trust and that safety that they can share this stuff with me like that's a real that's a real hidden bonus in this this whole thing mike i think that's a, a really great one to share yeah. And, and you know what? When I see people, you know, we're talking about circles and stuff like that and people that you keep in your life and why. You know, when I see you do that, Melon, or Raph or, you know, anybody that's that's in our circle. Dude, I feel proud to have you as like, you know, my friend or my teammate or whatever. Like, man, look, look at what they're doing over there. They're leading by example. You know, mm -hmm. like you're a six foot two rugby player pilot you know, guy that has every right to just be like up there and be this cocky ass pilot. And like some guys are, I'm going to be honest. And same in my profession too, that goes to their head. And then you can sit there and see this mountain of a man, like stand up in front of everybody and be like, I failed and I didn't meet the mark. And you're like, Holy shit, man. Like that, that person's getting up there saying that like, yeah, damn, he's got some balls, you know, like, yeah, that's right. Dude, that's that's a connection on a level where it comes out and then you have a whole nother meaningful of like respect for the, for that person. Um, and then the growth how, hollow, how hollow is the person? We all know these people who have got the facade that they're always perfect. I mean, yeah. you can't trust them. You don't want to be around them. You know that there's a layer of a veneer of bullshit on top of whatever the reality is. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the whole social media era we're living in is encouraging people to <laughs> gloss everything up in their life and never, you know, downplay the negatives. Yeah. Hey, I had a, I had a thought, you know, just because you were asking me so much about that, uh, that real time right at the start with Annie in the hospital, and I, a couple of thoughts I just had was like every morning. I just want everyone to know every morning when Cherry and I woke up and we weren't getting much sleep. I can be honest with you, you know, like a child who's nearly pretty much a daily possibly going to die situation for quite a while. He's not conducive to a good night's sleep and waking up in every morning in a state of fear 
and in a state of, you know, probably those three emotions you said, Mike, miserable, angry, and spiteful, maybe on a bad day. And every day we knew that we had to get into the hospital and not be manifesting that. We had to not be manifesting that energy into that sacred space and impacting nurses and families and other babies around us and our own daughter. And we, I had a saying that really stuck with me, and it's a Henry Ford quote, great man, founder of the Ford Motor Company, and it's whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, either way you're right. <laughs> whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, either way you're right. So if you think you've got what it takes, you have what it takes. If you think you don't have what it takes, you don't have what it takes. And Cherry and I would work through this little morning routine of getting coffee and, you know, quick breakfast and jumping in the car and driving up to the hospital. And on the way, one of us would say, I can handle this. And the other one would say, I can handle this. Mm. And no shit, it would shift things. It would shift things, you know, like if there's something one person on earth can do, we can all do it in terms of the mental strength. Not We're not talking running speed or whatever like this. Clearly, some things are different. But if there's an attitude someone can manifest, we can all manifest it. And and that really, really got me through. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, there was a, a shift every morning in the 25 minutes from waking up to getting to the hospital. Whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, either way, you're right. And just saying, I can handle this. Like, there's a strength that comes to you when you're like, Step one of being tough is deciding you're tough. And step two, there is no step two. <laughs> step one of having a high pain threshold is deciding you've got a high pain threshold. Like that's it. That's all there is. And manifesting and expressing a self-belief in yourself is a very powerful thing. I can deal with this. I can deal with what life is giving me here. And 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 I really feel like that is the, the key, a key step for us at that time of Massive pain, if the pain is the description of the unpleasant feeling, the unpleasant experience. And we didn't have to suffer and we could minimize the sight. And it was a daily thing. Like every day you're waking up and you're like, fuck, is my daughter going to die today? Did she, did shit, did shit happen overnight that I haven't heard about yet? And she crashed. Has there been infections and, and all of these things happened. And you can you can walk into the hospital with coffee for the nurses and a smile on your face, and you're not being fake. You can walk in there genuinely, bringing your best self, because you've decided that you can deal with it. And as Henry Ford said, you're right. You can. It's a choice. Yeah, and and you know what's the what's the alternative to? It's like, you know, it's a it's a powerful example of you and Chesa, like every morning, like getting up and one of you taking the lead and being like, I can handle this. And, you know, I'll kind of, I'll be there for you to kind of help out with the weight today. Like it was like a ball being handed back and forth. Like this ball mm -hmm. exists, it's heavy and we have to carry it. Um, today I'm not feeling as strong as I should. I'm going to help you. You know, it was that kind of mutual understanding that yeah. you have, like what, or how would it benefit to like, you, you know, if Cheza was like, I can handle this today. And you looked over at her and you wanted to choose the suffering instead and be like, no, Cheza, I want to be angry today. I want to, yeah. I want to be, um, you know, whatever uh, the word toxic. I, I, I want to be this today because I'm Melon and I, I want, you know, I'm, I'm her father and I'm your husband and I want to be angry at these nurses. I want to be mad at the situation. And, and you just completely blow up and cause mm. this rift. And she's just looking at you like, I, I like, no, this, this isn't the man that I wanted. This isn't who I wanted you to be. Mm. Like you're, you, you know what I mean? Like you're choosing yeah. suffering for what? Yeah. You're choosing to break down. Yeah, you're, you're choosing to break down. Yeah, it's an emotional response. I, yeah. I and and I think that's a huge part of this is emotions can be so devastating and so hard and are deep rooted. Mm. 
And when we yeah. feed off of emotion, we make temporary decisions that affect long-term uh, outcomes. And you're mm -hmm. never getting that moment back because in, in that moment, you chose to be the loud, toxic, uh, <laughs> suffering person that hurt and latched onto other people when you had a choice to do something else that was for the better, to, to show your 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 character, to show who you really were in, in, in adversity. Um, you know, I, I say that because I've, I've failed at it and I've chose mm. to suffer. I've chose to feel like the victim. I've chose to feel like, well, woe is me and, and, and all that. But if I didn't do that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see the other side of it now because I've processed it and acknowledged what, what I chose. I took ownership in what I did versus what I could have done differently and saw that there were people trying to help me that they did care and love mm. for me, that they were trying to show me the way and I pushed them away. And that was my fault. Um, but it was emotional. Emotions yeah. can be very, very strong and they can drive you over the edge. When you could acknowledge what Mellon said, it scared, it scared the shit out of him to know that tonight could be the night that I get a phone call that my daughter didn't make it or that her vitals got worse. And, you know, whatever he was thinking of it and then began to prepare for it. So he didn't have to suffer as much like suffering was probably going to happen either way, but instead of running from it and bottling it up, he was like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm scared. I don't, you know, how do I deal with this? How do I process what's happening? How do I accept what's happening? If I do get that phone call, who am I going to be for myself? Who am I going to be for my, yeah. wife? because my wife's already going to be destroyed. Who do I need to be for her as well? Um, yeah. while still being a man, you, you, you know, there's so many different yeah. layers there that you got to explore, not just be like, Oh, well, this is terrible. This is fucked up, blah, blah, blah. I'm perfect. I'm great. And see you later. You know? And like you're saying, like thinking about who am I for my wife in this situation, that can be like Victor Frankl looking for the meaning where you find a, you find a purpose and then you find your strength by being like, I'm going to be, the rock for my wife. I'm going to be the rock for my family. I'm going to be the rock for my brother. I'm going to be the rock for my teammates. I'm going to be the rock for dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And then you can find the strength that maybe you didn't have a moment before that. So there's, there's a lot in those finding the purpose stuff. I know we're getting close to the end here, Mike, but just, I wanted to close my last thought. I just wanted to share with everyone. My wife, Cherry, her grandfather, uh, Fred, Grandpa Fred, Fred Calabia, an amazing man, a wonderful man, a man that I hold, I hold in the highest, I hold in the highest esteem, like my own dad, as a man, as a father. He was a professor of maths. He was a an artillery officer in Korea. He called in fire support from the Missouri. He was behind, kept behind enemy lines and survived a communist counteroffensive and. Just an extraordinary man, a family man, a loving man, a man of uh, religion. He said to me that about suffering, he said that when you have suffering and you add love, it's transformed into sacrifice. Mm. And that you can bear any burden for those that you truly love. And I think that a lot of my strength in that time with Annie and the time in hospital and, and with Cherry, I was doing my best to manifest that and the burden became lighter and lighter the more I focused on the love side and the sacrifice. It became a sacrifice rather than just suffering on its own. And so I think that there's a lot for people if they're able to find a source of love and it helps with that reason and why and the meaning like Victor Frankl was talking about. And you can have this transformation into a burden that you can carry. And so I'd encourage people in these times when there's pain and unpleasant and unwanted experiences that you'd never choose to see, to look for the places where you can find love that is going to help you transform this suffering into something different, which he defined as sacrifice. Hmm. did you have any last thoughts here mike for our listeners i mean here we are everyone two days in two days time by the time you guys will listen to this mike yeah. will have had 
surgery on his ACL. He'll be <laughs> he'll be a man with a he'll have a Robocop leg on on one side. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I'll be. A, uh... This is a serious thing, you know. We're talking about someone. It's a very very serious job and a career that you have, Mike. It's uh, in a, a lot of ways it's easy to understand, like a professional sports person dealing with an, an air reconstruction. It's a very serious thing, and. You know, you, you've been so willing to share and talk with me and, and with our community about your own journey and how you were dealing with it and the fact that you carried on for two months of special forces training after the after the parachute jump. I don't know if that was cleared, everyone. For two months, he carried on with the reinforcement training going through a whole bunch of stuff that you can imagine from movies. Two months with no ACL. And, and you're in this state where you're willing to share and you're talking about it and, you know, it's just like a, a transformative experience for me and I'm sure for our community to hear from someone in your situation. Are there any final thoughts you wanted to leave people with just with where you are now and what your experience has been over this journey with yourself? Um, I would say... I mean, you, you had a very, very good closing points with that melon and talking about love and sacrifice and, and that sort of stuff. I would say there's uh, one really hard thing that we have to have to have to remember is that we can control our suffering. We can make the choice for ourselves, and we can't always make the choice for somebody else. Um. Mellon said something to me recently that really hit home. And he's, he said, Mike, you're, you're, you're a, a fixer. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you mean? And he said, you hate seeing people suffer. You hate seeing people in pain. Um, and I do. And there, there's a reason for it is because I've, I've experienced a lot of it. Um, I'm 35 years old and I've probably lived more life than most 60 year olds, um, due to where I've been in the world. I've been all over the world in military service and burying your friends in your twenties and understanding death and, um, suffering and almost being killed myself, seeing the worst of human beings and the worst of places around the world. Um, just pure evil. Um, when you come home and you experience something and you see somebody cry, you hear a baby crying you see a person that you love and you care about just in their own head and they're just melting and you're just like no 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 no. i like for me and who i am i don't want you to be in pain i don't want you to hurt i don't want you to be like that and sometimes i try i think i try to control it um i don't want you to suffer but i think at the end of the day it's not up to me if that person chooses to suffer and they want to all these things that we've been talking about, they're going to do it. And, you know, I've had, I've had to walk away in situations because I felt like a person's choosing to live in that mm -hmm. environment and make those decisions that ultimately hurt me because I have to watch them hurt even longer and hurt even more. And it really messes me up. Like I get very sad. I get very hurt, depressed, and I just want to help, but I have to back off of it and I have to choose not to suffer with it mm. in a way, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to be hundred percent transparent with, with this. So I guess my point is you can control your suffering. You can't necessarily jump into somebody else's heart or their head and change it for them to not make mm -hmm. them suffer. And you have to be able to recognize that. And I think sometimes there's a lot of people who are like, you know, well, you gave up on me because I was having a hard time. I said, no, no, no. I gave up because you didn't want my help because you were pushing me away when I was trying to be there for you and I was trying to help you and I was trying to help you figure this out, I can't control you, but I was willing to be there and you kept pushing me away, pushing me away because you'd rather suffer and live in that mindset or whatever was going on that you didn't want to tell me about. Um, 
and I couldn't deal with it anymore. And I had to walk away because it was hurting. It was hurting my mental state. It was hurting who I was. And yeah. because, you know, you know what I mean? Like, dude, that, uh, yeah. that's one of like the hardest, that's one of the hardest said things this before, you know, we've said this before, you know, you can't do someone else's push-ups for them. Yes. You and, know, everyone, everyone has an individual journey in this area, which is why we're, while we're sharing this out and why we'd really appreciate people sharing this on if they're getting something from it into your communities and your networks. This is an individual decision, this choosing to suffer and not choosing to suffer and this mental approach and ability to try and find meaning and control your attitude even in the worst times. This is not the baseline for people, like the way we grow up and experience life. This is not the norm. But if we're able to apply ourselves and do the work and have the conversations and continue to open and unfold and strive to be better. Like there are, there are better and worse ways that we can deal with these things. But ultimately at the end of the day, everyone's on their own journey and you can, you can offer the, the hand to someone. And if they don't take it, you know, like you can't force them and there can be suffering around that. If you are in the hole, like, but I should be able to help everybody. You know, you can just be there. You can be yourself. You can be great. And you can you cannot contribute to other people's suffering. You can try and create the environment for them to not suffer. But I feel like suffering is optional. It's a choice. Yeah. And everyone has to choose and do their own work. That's right. Well said. I think Nolan said it a lot better in his scholarly ways than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I got, well, guys. Well, honestly, a great chat. Mike, as always, I'll just, you know, I love this connection and, you know, being up to 153 conversations like this with you over three and a half years is a really a, a transformational experience. And I just encourage people to have conversations like this with people who are special to them in their lives and listening and joining in and participating with us. We, we really, uh, we love sharing this stuff with you guys. And the further we can get the ripples out in the pond, the better. So you guys, Drop a review, drop a like, uh, subscribe and share it out. We'd really appreciate it. And please send in questions and feedback and topic ideas and all the rest of it. We love hearing from you guys. Until next time, take care.